If you take your Bibles this evening and turn to Judges, the book of Judges, I'm going to be preaching from Judges chapter 6 tonight. I'd like to preach a message tonight titled, Hiding from God. Hiding from from God. Judges chapter 6. In verse 1 it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them the dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till, till thou come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number. And they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. And if you know anything about the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel was constantly going through this cycle. They would go through a period of rebellion and Israel, we'd see, would turn from God. And you read it so often in the Bible where it says, Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. And after the rebellion, you'd see the retribution where you'd see God would allow the nation of Israel to be held captive by another nation. After the retribution, you'd see repentance. And eventually, you'd see Israel would cry out to God, asking for or repenting to God for their sins. And then you'd see the restoration And here in Judges, you'd see that God would send this judge to deliver them from their captivity. And then you'd see a period of peace. And when you're reading the book of Judges, oftentimes when I hear Judges, I think of someone like Samson. You know, someone who is physically strong, this big judge, but spiritually he was weak. And they had all different judges. In the previous chapter before this, we see Deborah and Barak. And after they brought them out of captivity, we see this 40 years of peace this period of rest that Israel is in where they were serving God, living for the right God. But then we see the cycle once again here in chapter 6 of Judges, and we see the rebellion in verse 1 of our passage. We see that once again Israel is doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And then we see the retribution, which here they were surrounded by the Midianites. The Midianites, this was a nation of idolaters um, at that time, and they... We see that the Israelites in this passage, they were forced to go into hiding. And they were hiding in these caves and up in the mountain uh, from the Midianites. And we see that in this passage as well. The Midianites and the Amalekites, they would come, and the Bible says without number. There were so many. They would come with their camels, and they would uh, destroy. And oftentimes when I would read this, I kind of in my mind would picture, you know, the Midianites coming in and doing this raid and just trashing the place. But... When you look at it, they came with a mission to destroy. And it was more than a raid. And In fact, it says that they came with their camels and they came with their tents and their cattle and they would seek out to destroy uh, Israel. And we see that they had their crops destroyed. And, you know, with the army of the Midianites and the Malachites coming, you know, they would need to eat. They would need to feed their camels. They would need to pitch their tent. And they would absolutely destroy the crops and the food that the Israelites had grown. 
And in verse 6, it uses the word, it says they were impoverished. The nation of Israel was impoverished. And that word impoverished means flaccid or helpless or the idea of, you know, in the fall when you see that one tree and there's that little leaf just blowing the wind, barely holding on. That's the idea of impoverished, being limp or weak or barely holding on. And that's what Israel was at that point. And we see that they're having their livestock destroyed as well. And in verse 4, the Bible tells us that there was no sustenance left for the nation of Israel. So we see the retribution, and once again, eventually, we see the repentance of the nation of Israel. But sadly, we see that it was seven years before they cried to God. And they struggled for seven years in their sin away from the Lord. We see the struggle of hiding. You know, there's a struggle of hiding from God. It reminds me of Jonah. Jonah was running from God, and he was trying to hide from God. And even in the midst of the belly of the whale, we see him hiding and just holding on to what he thinks is right. And this is what I see the nation of Israel doing, hiding from God and the struggle of hiding from the Midianites as they're up in the caves and worried about being attacked once again. We see the struggle of farming. You know, they're plowing, they're sowing, they're reaping and then threshing the wheat. And, you know, that's hard work in itself. But, you know, they're already at this point, the Bible says, impoverished. They're already weak and they're trying to do this. And now it's harder to farm because their animals are being destroyed. So they're working very hard and worried about the attack of, of these people and only to have their fruits of their labor destroyed. To think about the investment of their time and trying to raise this crop up only for it to be destroyed. And we see the struggle of starvation. You know, they were barely holding on. Imagine being in the nation of Israel at that time and seeing your family starving, your kids starving. It was a terrible time and a time of devastation. And oftentimes when we're reading stuff like this, we don't realize the setting that they were living in. But the Bible says there was no sustenance. Imagine people starving around you. Imagine those weak around you dying around are all around you, children, elderly, the sick, dying because there's not food. But amazingly enough, you see later on that they had altars to Baal. And what did they do at altars? They were offering food. They saw time to offer food to idols, but they were struggling. They were so far from God that they had these struggles. But we see that eventually they repent and they cry to God. And then we see the restoration here today. And today I want to preach a message um, And this is my favorite Bible character. You know, he's the unlikely hero. And oftentimes in the Bible, we see God using real people, not uh, something that we have imagined in our head or that, that Samson idea in our minds of a judge. But we see this man, Gideon. You know, who's Gideon? And God uses him. And God uses real people. And as you, we learn from him, I want you to consider three questions that I have today on hiding from God. And first of all, I want to ask you, where are you hiding today? Where are you hiding? If you uh, skip ahead to verse 11, the Bible says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was an Ophrah, that pertaineth to Joash the Abizrite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his mercies, which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us, 
and delivered us unto the hands of the Midianites. And the Lord God looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So here in the in uh, verse 11, we see the phrase that says that Gideon was threshing wheat behind the wine press. And in those days when they'd get the wheat and they'd reap from their crops, and they'd have the wheat, and the wheat would have a chaff, and what they would do, they'd have to go to this open field, whether it be wind or go up to a hill, and they'd throw that wheat up into the air and catch it. And when they threw it up into the air, you'd see the wind come and separate that chaff from the wheat, which is what they can use. But here, we see that Gideon isn't in an open field. He isn't up on a hill, but we see rather that he was behind a wine press. And we, we see that they were afraid at this time. They were afraid of being attacked by the Midianites. And we see that Gideon here, he didn't want to be vulnerable. He didn't want to be attacked. He didn't want to be out in the open. And today, we see here that God used Gideon and God wanted to use Gideon. In our lives, if we want God to use us, we're going to have to start doing what we're supposed to do. We're going to have to get out of our comfort zone if we want God to use us the way he wants to use us, the way God intends to use us. We need to get out of our comfort zone in serving him. We need to get out of our comfort zones in church. You know, so often I I see in big churches, you know, people have their cliques and they stick to who they know. And there's people coming in and, you know, you don't want to get out of your comfort zone. You don't really want to go and try to reach to other people or the visitors But we need to get out of our comfort zones if we want to serve God the way he intends for us to serve. We need to be living a life honoring to God, a sanctified life separated unto God. You know, are we serving in the church? Are we allowing God to use our talents? You know, I was talking to Pastor Alcock this week. He texted me and he was just asking me about, you know, what I thought, you know, where do you think the church is really strong? You know what I was impressed by? how so many people here at this church serve. You know, we have people coming up to play the piano. We have different people playing the choir songs. You know, we have young people playing the offertories. We have young people doing the offering. We see people serving. You know, and that, you know what I like about that? It's getting people out of their comfort zone. It's training people. It's allowing people to serve so that it's not something you're like, well, I don't really want to do it. We're giving people opportunities to serve God in the church. You know, maybe we need to get out of our comfort zone when it comes to witnessing. You know, we have outreach at church, and, you know, maybe that's something that scares you. And you show up to outreach, and everyone is here ready to pass out tracts, and you're nervous. I bet you everyone that's here on outreach day, their heart's beating a little bit faster as they go out. So don't worry, you're with all of us when you come. But it's something you just have to step out of your comfort zone. You know, we have a lot of the teams going to the help program. You know, when you go to the health program, you better believe you're going to be stepping out of your comfort zone. You're going to be doing a lot of things serving. You're going to be getting up in front of kids. You're going to be teaching lessons. You know, you're not just going to sit back. Everyone's going to have a job to do. Everyone's going to be knocking on a door. Everyone's going to be trying to talk to strangers. Everyone's going to be sharing the love of Christ. That's stepping out of your comfort zone and allowing God to use you. 
or whatever it is, we need to be stepping out of our comfort zone for God to use you. You know, what does God want you to do today? You know, think about it. What talents could I be using to serve God? Or maybe who does he want me to reach? You know, we know people that others might not be able to reach or come in contact with or neighbors. You know, who does he want me to reach? Not the church reach, but me as an individual. Who can I reach with the gospel of Christ? You know, maybe where does he want you to go? Does he want you to go serve in another country? You know, Brother Caleb went to go see Korea and to, to see how things were there. You know, that's stepping out of your comfort zone. Maybe he wants you to give of your time. Maybe he wants you to take Bible classes or, or go to Bible college. You know, I find often Christians are so stingy with their time. They like to, to have me time. They want, they will invest in everything. You know, we're going to invest in our hobbies. We're going to invest in activities, but when God says, well, maybe you should invest in eternity, invest in your spiritual life, we kind of hold back. You know, I was looking up, because we see often, we see, you know, the Mormons out knocking on doors, the teenagers out with their white shirts and their black ties. And do you know all Mormons spend two years of their lives after school trying to earn their salvation, and it's all self-funded? They self-fund it. They don't return home. And for two years, they focus on their mission of trying to... I don't even know what they're trying to do. They're sharing the Book of Mormon or whatnot. But they're so invested. And we see all these other religions invested in what they're doing. But as Christians who our motive is the love of Christ, are we really investing ourselves into what we ought to be doing? Investing our time? We need to be stepping out of our comfort zone and allowing God to use us. You know, I think of uh, someone like my father-in-law. My father-in-law, uh, my wife's family are from Newfoundland. And when my wife was 16, my father-in-law decided to pack up their whole family, moved to Ontario. He worked a full-time job, put his kids through Christian school, and put himself through Bible college. Because he said, you know what, I think God wants me to be there. I think God wants me to invest my time and my money in my spiritual life in order to serve him better. You know, that's stepping out of your comfort zone. I look at that and I I say, that's amazing that he would take that step of faith out of his comfort zone to do that. You know, we're too comfortable often with our current situation instead of redeeming the time and investing in, in eternity. You know, a few weeks ago, I finally put my resignation in. I knew I was planning it. And I sent Pastor Alcock a picture of that email. I was told, you know, send the email. You can CC all the big the big people up in, in the offices. And you send that in. And I sent him that picture. And i got to be honest, it was about three or four minutes before I finally hit send because it was real. It was stepping out of my comfort because that was the only job I knew out of college. I graduated, got that job, I worked it. And that was stepping out of my comfort zone. And you know what? I'm trying to let God use me to the best that he wants, what he has attended for me. What does God want you to do today? No, we need to think about that. Maybe we're just we're hiding behind something like Gideon. You're, you're, you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be put somewhere where you're going to be out in the open. But we need to make a conscious effort and try to get out of our comfort zone. So where are you hiding today? As you look at your life, you know, we look at Gideon and 
Literally, Gideon was scared to be physically vulnerable. He didn't want to be attacked. They were in a physical position where they could be hurt. And they had this enemy of the Lord. And today, we have the devil, and we're hiding in our comfort zone. But what are we fearing? Are we fearing embarrassment? Are we fearing, you know, I can't really say we're persecuted in Canada compared to what we see around the world in places in the Middle East or in India and some of these places. You know, we're not physically vulnerable in a sense, but we see that God eventually gave Gideon peace and God will give us that peace if we step out by faith. In 2 Timothy 1.7 it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound of a sound mind. Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed upon is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. And in order for God to use Gideon the way he intended to, Gideon had to get out of hiding. He had to step out in faith. He had to step out to where it was scary. But we see that God used him in a way that Gideon himself couldn't even imagine that God would use him. You know, God, Gideon had no idea that if he stepped out, what God was going to do in his life. So where are you hiding today, and what does God have in store for you? So next I want to ask you, why are you hiding? Why are you hiding? In verse 13 and, and onward, we see that Gideon did not think at all in the least that God could use him. He literally thought, he looked at himself and was like, me? I'm nobody. He's, he tells God, he's like, I'm not mighty, when the angel of the Lord said, you are... He called a mighty man of valor. He literally said, my family is poor, and I am the least of my poor family. And then he goes on to say how he had heard the testimonies. He heard the stories of how God delivered Israel many times, and the miracles, and how God had delivered them from Egypt. You know, the Israelites still knew of the past, and they knew what God had done for them. And Gideon had heard these things, but in the seven years of captivity, he's sitting there saying, well, why? I'm not seeing what had, I had heard of. And he questions God and says, you know, where are these supposed miracles, and where is our deliverance today? And we see that God says, well, Gideon, I choose you. He had no idea that he was going to be the one delivering Israel from captivity. And today, as Christians, we hear Bible stories. We come to church. You hear the testimonies of people. You hear sermons. And yet still, we fear that God can't use us. And you think about the, the boys and girls in, in Sunday school, and they hear about all these great stories of the Bible. And, you know, Simon's been talking about Jonah. He, was, he had this little toy cell phone uh, yesterday, and he picked it up, and he's like, I'm calling Jonah. I'm like, which Jonah? Because I know a few Jonahs. He's like, Jonah and the whale. And they hear these stories, and so often, as adults, we we kind of write them off. In our minds, it's so, you know, children have that faith. And as Christian, as adults, we grow up, and we kind of, yeah, we believe it, but at the same time, we're just like, can God do that in my life? But we serve the exact same God of the Bible as Gideon did. The same God that's here telling Gideon, I choose you and want to do great things in your life, is the same God that we're serving today. And that amazes me. 
And he's telling us, you know, I choose you. I want to use you. You just need to allow me to. We need to allow God to work through us. You know, I think of myself. I'm like, who am I that God wants to use me? You know, but God doesn't require special talents. He's not requiring all these things, but God wants to use a willing vessel, someone that's going to allow God to work through him, that God's going to shine through, not that person. You know, God didn't use Gideon because of his own strength or talents, but he used him that he could be a vessel, that everything he would do would be to God's glory. And we see that throughout the Bible, these men that God used that say, you know what, I have no talents, and yet still God used them as his vessel of service and all would be done to his glory. So we see that God used Gideon because he got out of his comfort zone. He allowed God to work through him. And listen, God wants to use every one of us here today. And maybe you're like Gideon and you're saying, you know, who am I? You know, have you seen my family? Have you seen the life that I've lived? Have you seen how I grew up? You know, I have no abilities. I don't have talents. And you say, I've heard the stories. You know, I've heard other people give testimonies. I've heard of all these great things happening, but, you know, I've read the miracles in the Bible, but I have yet to experience them. And the same God who used, who's used Gideon wants to use some of you in great, in a great way. And he wants to show you those miracles. You know, today if you're saying, you know, God, I have yet to see those testimonies. I have yet to see these miracles. You know what? God wants to use you. You just need to be willing. You need to be able to step out of your comfort zone and allow God to use you and to be surrendered to God. So why are you hiding today? And lastly, what are you hiding? What are you hiding? In Judges 6, starting at verse 23, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto him, Peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet an Ophrah of the Abizrites. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove, which thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was, because he feared his father's household, and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered, upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, Who hath done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son, that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will ye plead for Baal? Will ye save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death whilst it is yet morning. If he be a god, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. Therefore on that day he called him Drubbable, saying, Let Baal plead against him, 
because he had thrown down his altar. Listen, in order for God to use you, you're going to need to address sin in your life. You're going to need to address the idols in your life that are taking the place of God. And we see here that Gideon, he tolerated the sin in his life and around him. We see that his father had this altar to Baal. And before God can use him, God commanded him to destroy the altar and to cut down the grove that was by the altar. And as Christians tonight, if we want God to use us the way he intends to use us to to our full potential, we're going to need to stop tolerating sin in our lives. We live in a day where we are too comfortable around sin and get so used to get so used to it that it no longer phases you. Whether it's in your life, it's a sin that you're struggling with and it's just become a part of you and you've learned to accept it and you've become comfortable with it. We need to learn to not tolerate the sin that's in our life. We need to look at sin the way that God looks at sin, the way that God died, sent his son to die for our sins. And we get too comfortable with the sin that's around us and we and it gets to a point where we know it no longer phases us. You know, Ask yourself, what can I hear that doesn't bother you anymore? You know, maybe it's certain music. Maybe it's swearing. You know, I'll be transparent with you. Before, I just I would be able to watch movies when I was a teenager. And I had to get to the place where I was like, whoa, I can't be watching that. That It got to the point where you would it would slip by, you wouldn't notice it. You know, where are you in your life? What things are just, you're so callous to it that you don't notice it? or sin that's not bothering you anymore. You know, at what point are you going to turn off that movie? Or turn away from something because the music isn't what it should be? Or what can you see today that doesn't bother you anymore? You know, are you going to change the channel right away? Or are you just going to let it play through? Or what can you get away with that doesn't bother you? Maybe there's things in your lives that you're like, you know what, I'm fine with doing what I'm doing. Or I'm, I'm fine with going to where I'm going. And we keep pushing the boundaries as Christians, and we need to stop tolerating sin. You know, we're getting too flippant, and we need to start letting sin bother us again. You know, some people might say, well, you're too uptight. You know, Jesus shed his blood for our sins. And I find that Christians are trying so hard, the liberal Christians trying so hard to incorporate certain things into the church, and I'm just like, I can't, I don't, Get how you're trying to incorporate that into the church. You're you're trying to make that okay. Second Timothy two twenty one says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. You know, are you purged? Are you sanctified? Are you separated unto the work of God? A vessel that's ready to be used? prepared unto every good work. You know, maybe you haven't seen God work in your life. Maybe you haven't seen the miracles in your life. Maybe you don't have that testimony in your life because you're not a vessel unto honor. You're not sanctified. You're not prepared unto every good work. You know, we need to look at our lives and see, are we what God wants us to be? Are we able to be used by God? Do you even want to be used by God? 
if that's the case, then what idols do we have in our life that are taking the place of God? There's something I noticed in this passage that um, I really liked. And we see that as um, Gideon goes and he destroys this grove and this altar, who comes to his defense? Who's all, like, who did the altar belong to? It belonged to his dad. But we see that when Gideon stood against the sin, who came in his defense? Who started standing up for sin? You know, if we're going to stand up as Christians, stand up to sin, we will affect those around us. Some people will be upset with you. And we see that here in this passage. We see the men of the city saying, Joash, send up your son so we can kill him. Even though they're living in this time, they knew what God had done and how they had delivered them. They're living in this time of sin, yet still they were upset at Gideon and said, we're going to kill him. And they were upset because Gideon stood up for sin. And today, if you're going to stand up for sin, against sin, you're going to upset some people around you. It might be your family. It might be your friends. It might be coworkers. But you might upset people around you. But on the flip side you're going to influence some around you as well. When we see that, we see uh, Joash comes out and he defends. He says, you know what? If you're going to cry out and defend this idol, who's supposedly a god, let him help himself. If one man has cast them down, are you really going to try to defend this idol? And we see that he stands up against sin. He's influenced to do right. And as Christians, we need to be leaders. And if we're going to stand up for sin, we're going to influence those around us. We might even influence those who are unsaved. You know, I think about that at work. When people see that I'm not swearing, or I'm not doing certain things, or I'm not talking about how drunk I was on the weekend, or how whatever it is, you know what they do? When they finally know who I am, am, they stop swearing around me. They stop telling dirty jokes around me. They stop doing a whole lot of things around me because they know what I stand for. And their influence around me, at least, to not do those things around me. But especially as Christians, you know, you may be a leader and you don't even know it. You may be influencing those for the good around you. You know, as teenagers, you guys need to be leading those around you. And I've seen, I've seen a youth group. I've seen youth groups, I should say, led by the wrong people. You know, the, those leaders, those natural leaders. You know, every youth group has them. They have those natural leaders. And if they're going in the wrong way, they can drag that whole youth group down. But if we see those leaders making the right choices, you know, those people that are toddling on the fence that aren't sure, they're going to be encouraged to do what's right. We need to be leaders and not tolerate sin. You know, there's going to be those around us struggling and not sure, and it's going to be a whole lot easier for them if they see they have support, if they see other people standing up against sin. Or maybe in the case of Gideon, you know, that was a difficult situation where his own family, his dad was the one. It's not even like it was his neighbor or someone down the street, it was his own dad that had this idol. And maybe you're in a situation where your parents aren't living for God. Maybe you're from a broken home. Maybe your parents have made wrong choices. But in your life, you need to make the right choices in your own life. 
You need to break that chain. Uh, chain. You know, I've seen so many people try to use that as a crutch, use their past, use their upbringing as a crutch. But as a Christian, you can't blame your bad decisions or your attitude on wrong choices in your family. You need to do what's right. You need to make the right decisions. And you have the ability to make your own choices. And with the strength of God, you can live a life pleasing to Him. You know, I think about the Israelites as they go through this cycle and everything that God would do for them and deliver them in this time of peace. And you can imagine how it mourned the heart of God when Israel would fall back into sin. But when we look at our own lives, do you have those sins that you just keep falling back into? You know, are you struggling in your life because of sin? And we see here that these Israelites struggled for seven years because of sin. It was because of their sin that they struggled. How long are you going to struggle and let sin reign in your life? And I see it so often with Christians, letting those sins ruin their lives, struggling through life. You know, I know people that have been struggling for years, living just such a hard life, fighting tooth and nail against God, refusing to repent of their sins, and they're doing it like they're going to win, and they're struggling through life. And rather than repenting of their sins, they just keep fighting and keep fighting and keep struggling. Yet still, God loves us enough that even those people... He's waiting for them to come back to him before he starts to bless in their life once again. You know, don't keep going through this cycle like Israel did, but we need to start putting an end to the sin in our lives. And that can only be done through Christ in whom we have victory. So what are you hiding today in your life? What's stopping you from serving God to your full potential? What I love about the story is if you go back to the beginning of chapter 6, where we read about Gideon, do you notice that change happening in him? Do you see the progression? First we see him saying, you know, God, can you really use me? You know, I'm nobody. Literally my family is the least or is poor and I'm the least of them. And now we see him, we see him go from hiding behind a wine press to tearing down these altars in the middle of the night, cutting down these groves. He's still fearful at this point, but we see that he, he got out of his comfort zone. He's like, okay, God, you know what? I'm going to do what you're telling me to do. I'm going to obey. But it gets even better than that. And we, if you know the story, if you read on through chapter 7, we see that Gideon has this army now. And we see him with this army of 32,000 men. And you're like, that's a pretty big army. 32,000 men. But he's fighting the Midianites and if you read Judges 8.10, it says that they were about 135,000 men. So he, he's against the odds already. And even though he gets, he's against the odds, he gets out of his comfort zone, he's trusting God, he's found peace in God, and he's allowing God to use him. He gets rid of the sin in, in his life, and then God says, actually, you have too many men. We're going to wither them down. You're already outnumbered by 100,000 men, but... He, that's not good enough. And God whittles them down to 300 men. Can you imagine that? 300 men against 135,000 people. But you know what God was saying? Remember when Gideon was saying, I heard of the miracles. I've seen how you delivered us from Egypt. 
God saying, you know what? I'm going to show you the miracles today. I'm going to use you, and you're going to know that it's not by your power, it's not by your strength, but it's only by me that I'm delivering you. And we see that God is using Gideon to his full potential. He's working through this scaredy cat. That's the only word that comes to mind. He's using him to do this great work. So maybe today there's this wine press in your life, this place that you're comfortable, you're hiding, and maybe you're scared and you don't want to be embarrassed. You're, you're scared what others might think of you. You know, look at your heart. What areas are you holding back from God? What areas of your life are you hiding in? You know, things that you know you ought to be doing, things that you know, okay, God's word says I should be doing this, you know, why not start today? Why not let God work through you? You know, you might be scared, but it's through God's power that he's working through through us. And we see that with Gideon. Gideon who says, you know, I can do nothing. I'm not mighty. And we see what God has done through him. God wants to work through you today. So whether you think you're talented, whether you think you have the abilities, God wants to work through you. And maybe today you need to trust God in your life. Realize that God can use you. You know, in the Old Testament, we see that they would build these altars to remember what God had done. You see it lots of times where God would deliver them, or we see it with um, Gideon, if you read in, in verse 24, and when God speaks to them, he finds his peace. He builds this altar to remember what God had done. And we see how God, our Gideon questioned God, and we see this moment where God proves himself true in his life, and we see that he builds this altar to remember. And maybe today you need to build an altar to God to remember, you know what? I made this decision. Or maybe you have before made decisions. Maybe you have it written in your Bible somewhere where you said, you know what? God did this in my life. You know, God worked in my life in this way. Or maybe I made this decision. You know, I want to do this for God. And we need to look back and say, you know what? I'm going to continue to trust God again. I saw the miracles already in my life. You know, I've seen God work in my life, and I'm going to trust Him. You can look back on those altars that you've built in your life. We see that Gideon, he built an altar um, to Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And that's who we're serving, the God of peace. And even if we think that we can't do anything, God's going to give us the peace if we're willing to serve Him. Or maybe today you need to pull down some altars of Baal in your life. You know, do you have things in your life that are taking precedence over God? Things that are stopping you from serving God? Sins in your life that you're struggling with continually, that you keep falling back in? Are you tolerating sin that's around you? Or have you become callous to it? You know what we see in that passage? When Gideon built an altar to God, do you know where he built it? He built it where the altar of Baal was. He built it where that altar can be resurrected again. And maybe you need to start pulling down some sin in your life and you need to start building an altar to remember so you can look back and say, you know what, this is when God delivered me from that sin. So you can look back and say, this is when God gave me victory over that sin. You can remind yourself that it's through God's power that he's given you victory over it. You know, God is real today. 
God is real. And we need to remember that when we're looking at the word of God and we're seeing stories like Gideon, we're seeing stories like David, we're seeing stories like Jonah and God using these people, God wants to use each and every one of us here today just like he used these men of God. So I ask you again today, where are you hiding in your life? Why are you hiding? And what are you hiding? Examine your hearts and see, is God really using me the way he wants to use me?